Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The Telegraph. Podcasts. Boris Johnson's condition improves. He has been sitting up in bed and engaging positively with the clinical team. Donald Trump takes aim at the World Health Organization. They seem to be very China-centric. And when does contact tracing become privacy invasion? This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. Chancellor Rishi Sunak has announced a £750 million funding boost to the charity sector as it struggles to cope with the crisis. £60 million of the total will go to Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. Cash grants will be given directly to charities providing key services. Bigger charities such as Oxfam and Age UK have already furloughed two-thirds of staff. But Mr Sunak said crises like this are the reason many charities exist. Those charities have never been more needed than they are now, and they've never faced such a sudden fall in their funding. We all know who they are. Those small charities in our villages, our market towns, in pockets of our cities. The unsung heroes looking after the vulnerable and holding together our social fabric. The Chancellor also confirmed that Boris Johnson's condition is improving after two nights in intensive care. He said he was sitting up and engaging with his doctors at St Thomas's Hospital in London. It comes as a record 938 daily deaths were reported in UK hospitals. Dr Larissa Calder is an intensive care doctor treating coronavirus patients in South London. She says she never envisaged working in a situation like this. We want to help. We want to make a really big difference. And when we all took our Hippocratic Oath all those many years ago, never in a million years did we think it was going to be put to this ultimate test. And now Mm. it is being. We're seeing a a huge number of cases. Every single bed in our intensive care unit is filled. Most of the patients are on ventilators. They all, where I'm working at the moment in in one particular part of the unit, um, everyone has COVID. And we're not just talking about intensive care being relegated to just one department. We are talking about overspill into other areas of the hospital, including theatres. And we've also got a new section of our hospital opening up just to take these patients. So we are dealing with very large numbers, but we have got a lot more staff to help. So that includes myself. Um, I've been redeployed. I volunteer to help and move from the maternity area. So all these extra pairs of hands are really helping. And I have to say that staff morale is amazing at the moment. 
The United States has also seen the largest number of deaths in one day, as nearly 2,000 people died from the virus. Over 700 of those were in New York, the city's biggest jump since the start of the outbreak. The death toll is behind only that of Italy and Spain. The spike came as President Trump threatened to cut US funding to the World Health Organization, accusing it of bias towards China during the pandemic. They uh, actually criticized and disagreed with my travel ban at the time I did it. And they were wrong. They've been wrong about a lot of things. They seem to be very China-centric. So we'll be looking into that very carefully. And we're going to put a hold on money spent to the WHO. We're going to put a very powerful hold on it. And we're going to see. The U.S. is the WHO's largest source of funding. The Telegraph's U.S. editor, Ben Riley-Smith, says Donald Trump's reaction to the crisis will play into the 2020 election. What is really interesting is the political element to this. The election is only seven months away and the dominant issue will be coronavirus and Trump's handling of coronavirus. He's coming under criticism from newspapers, from critics, from Democrats, from scientific experts who said he failed to act quick enough. Why didn't they take some of these measures in January or early February? And so the Republicans are looking to shift the blame to a degree. And the WHO, an international body, seems like an easy target for Trump. And it's interesting how his criticisms have been echoed by other Republicans. So Rick Scott, a senator from Florida, so if the WHO had done their job, everybody would have gotten ready. And Ted Cruz, who ran against Trump in 2016 for the Republican presidential nomination, said that the WHO too often parroted Chinese propaganda. I think this debate about whether Trump's administration is to blame for the scale of the coronavirus in America, whether others share some blame, will rumble on and on until November. After 76 days in lockdown, Wuhan, the Chinese city where the outbreak began, is starting to ease its restrictions. Residents waved flags and the city staged a light show with buildings radiating images of health workers helping patients. The Telegraph's China correspondent Sophia Yan is in Wuhan. She says that ending the lockdown is a gradual process. Quotas on travel have been imposed. For instance, only 1,000 people per day are allowed to enter Beijing from Wuhan. Lottery systems determine who gets departure tickets. But even then, people need to fill in an application and prove they have a clean bill of health. Remaining curbs depend on how your neighborhood is choosing to loosen restrictions. In some areas, people are still only allowed outside for two hours a day. While the city celebrated newfound freedom with an extravagant light show, it's by no means a return to normal for everyone. China has reported nearly 82,000 infections and almost 3,500 deaths, but doubts have arisen over whether the numbers accurately reflect the outbreak. Roland Oliphant reports. Restrictions in Wuhan may be nearing an end, but a question mark remains over how China calculates its official death toll. The country hasn't fully clarified what cases are included, and some families have told The Telegraph that relatives who died from what doctors hinted was coronavirus were not included in the official count because they had not been tested. And like other countries, China has had to grapple with limited capacity to get everyone into hospital and to process tests in labs. Crematorium staff in Wuhan told The Telegraph they were overwhelmed with thousands of bodies at the height of the epidemic. 
China's also revised the methods it uses to count confirmed cases several times, creating extra confusion over the figures. Until last week, Chinese officials weren't even counting asymptomatic patients, even if they tested positive. Doubts about the reliability of the official case numbers and fatality rates have been exacerbated by the country's poor track record with transparency during other health emergencies, such as the SARS outbreak 20 years ago. And others have questioned the convenient timing of improvements in the statistics. The figures started to get better just as Xi Jinping declared victory in the People's War against the virus. Could those pressures have led Chinese officials to underestimate the size of the challenge? Well, some foreign governments certainly seem to think so. Treating, testing, tracing. Until a vaccine's developed, governments around the world are deploying the three T's as a way out of the crisis. In countries like South Korea, which has managed to keep the number of confirmed cases to 10,000, contact tracing using CCTV, financial records and conducting interviews means they've been able to determine who's been in touch with infected people. On Monday, one of the UK government's top advisers said mass testing and contact tracing would almost certainly replace current restrictions once the number of cases had fallen substantially. In the UK, contact tracing is likely to be less invasive, relying on GPS data from mobile phones to analyse who's been where and when. Even so, privacy remains an issue. But now, anti-money laundering technology may provide a new way to track the virus without mass privacy infringement. Harry DeKettville has more. About a decade ago, a group of computer scientists refined a concept called homomorphic encryption. Basically, it allows encrypted data to be analysed without ever being decrypted. That sounds strange, but imagine, for example, that after the lockdown is lifted, 100 people go to hospital reporting COVID symptoms. The government might turn to a telecoms company, say Vodafone, to find out where those people have been over the last two weeks using the location data from their mobile phones. Homomorphic encryption would allow the government to send that list of 100 names to Vodafone and Vodafone to trace where they've been without Vodafone knowing who was on the list in the first place. Moreover, when the government asked to find anyone who had come into contact with those 100 people, the system would allow it to get the list without having to access the whole population's location data. As Alan Kaufman CEO of Duality Technologies, an Israeli firm deploying the encryption method, told me, you don't want the government to see everyone's location data and you don't want to tell Vodafone who is sick. Every side sees only what it has to see, nothing more than that. He insists that contact tracing is the only way out of lockdown. But Western democracies may bridle at the state surveillance culture as seen in China. We just can't allow governments to do that, says Kaufman. This may be an emergency but there will be a day after Corona. As the NHS launches a mental health hotline to give psychological support to its one and a half million workers, I received an email from a listener who didn't want to be named, asking for advice on how they could support family members working in the health service. It's an undoubtedly difficult time for all NHS workers at the moment, and the strain can, of course, extend beyond the hospital. My advice will in no way match up to someone who's experienced what it's like to face the crisis head on. But on this week's episode of The Telegraph, mental health podcast Mad World, Bryony Gordon spoke to infection prevention nurse Natalie Manta. Natalie helped tackle the Ebola crisis in Sierra Leone in 2014, and she's also treating coronavirus patients. She says helping health workers can be as simple as allowing them to talk about something else. We're working really, really long hours at the moment, and it's 
all day, every day. Um, we're saying mm. the word coronavirus or COVID-19 like 100 times an hour. It's all we're talking about. And sometimes I feel like, you know, being a person who's got uh, specialist knowledge about infectious diseases, a lot of people outside of my work, a lot of friends and family ask me lots of questions about the virus. And actually, that almost sometimes feels like an extra burden. Of course, I want to support everyone as much as I can. But I think just being aware that those people sometimes need to just also have a normal life and talk about different things. You can listen to the full episode of Bryony Gordon's Mad World. It's out now wherever you get your podcasts. There's a particularly interesting part of the conversation where Bryony and Natalie discuss whether labelling NHS workers as superheroes is a help or a hindrance. I'll put the link in the show notes to this episode, as well as details of how you can get a six-month subscription to The Telegraph for free if you work for the NHS. It's really the least we can do. If you don't work for the NHS, you can still get your first 30 days access to all of our brilliant news, analysis and advice completely free at telegraph.co.uk slash audio. If you have a question you'd like one of our journalists or experts to answer, send me a voice note and you might even hear your voice on the show. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis, and I'll be back on Thursday evening with another update. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 